This is the Delivery Space Podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change, or transformation, we have some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you insights and experiences that you won't get from a book. Welcome, I'm Nisha, and today's guest is a very good friend of mine all the way from San Francisco, Max Dave, who is a business improvement consultant. Hello, Max. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Nisha? I'm good. And how is San Francisco this morning? Tell me. This morning, it is drizzly and a little bit chilly, but on the whole, not bad. So we'll take that. Yeah, we will. Um, Thank you so much for joining us this morning and kind of sharing your knowledge, your experience and um, the tips around how we can improve our business user engagement on the initiatives that we're leading and the change that we're bringing to the organisations that we work with. So um, before further ado, would you be able to introduce yourself to our listeners so they can learn a bit more about you? Of course. And again, thank you so much for, for inviting me to talk on this on this topic. So I've been a consultant um, working with organizations for the last 15 plus years doing predominantly business process um, and operational process changes within the organization. Sometimes it's in a in um, in it's together with applications and implementing application changes or products or systems. And sometimes it's purely just operational processes that need to be improved. So it's, it's been a really wonderful experience. I've worked with Fortune 500 companies as well as small startups. So you really get to see the gamut of different processes. And I tend to uh, take a very framework agnostic approach while I may have a number of methodologies or techniques that are in my toolkit I'll tend to see what's appropriate to any given client or any given application or any given product um, that's needed at that time. Thanks for sharing and I think that's that's super useful to know because you're the person that engages and brings that, tries to bring that agility around the change that you're trying to embed by speaking to people who are closer to the day-to-day work that gets done, right? Exactly, exactly. How would you define an engaged user, Max? What does that look like to you? So, yeah, Nisha, I think the key thing here is um, there are many characteristics that describe an engaged user, but for me, I think there are some critical ones that I think mm-hmm. are really important to phone to focus in on. The first being, they really they themselves need to know why they're engaging in this change. Now, they're not responsible sometimes for this change that's being thrusted on them, but it's the it's the responsibility of the team that's implementing this change to have communicated that reason why. Why is it that we're going through this this in implementation of this product or that we're changing their their day-to-day business business processes. Why are we doing it? So I would say that would be the first critical thing, first and foremost, because that sets the stage. Um, It sort of is like our mission, our strategy around why we're doing this. The next um, 
characteristic I would say that engages that that tells me that the user in front of me is an engaged person is one that's curious. So when I show them the new process, or if I show them um, there's a a demo of the product that they need to see, or we do a a, a, a show and tell. Mm-hmm. That they're asking questions, that they're thinking about. Okay, you've just shown me this functionality. How does they've already gone through that physical map in their mind of how does it work? Oh, and this is how it relates to my day to day. So they're already curious enough to ask, start asking questions, and I think that that tells me that they're open to change, and I think that's critical um, as part of that implementation. Um, another factor to me is. Um, that they want to know well, they're invested, but they're also a bit stepped back and they're looking at their process and they're saying they're critical of what's being promised to them. And I think mm. that's healthy. That, I think, is a really healthy perspective because now what you're seeing is they've made that mental leap from, okay, you've shown me something that's going to change my world, my day-to-day, but I've already started to think about it in terms of my business process. I can see I could make that leap, but I really want you to show me, show me how it really works, and then I, I'll, I'll be I'll be with you lock lock step. Or I may tell you challenges that I'm I can see already, but show me. And I think that that's encouraging for me because that means they're not closed. They're not saying, I don't want to do this. They're saying, let me see. That's a great place to be. I often think that sometimes the resistance you get is a form of someone actually evaluating the change that you're trying to put forward or a user trying to think about impacts upstream and downstream with you. And as a business process analyst or even a business analyst going in to work with users, that's that's a bit of a gift, right? To have exactly. that information. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they they could choose not to share any of yeah. this information. They could choose to just sit there, listen, and never give you any of that feedback. And to me, mm. I think that's critical feedback. It's mm. it's it's vital to you understanding what the gap is that you've got to somehow navigate in order to bring them on this journey, just like many of your previous leaders on these podcasts have said, it's a journey when we're implementing this change. And mm. now we have the ability to understand some of those challenges along this journey. So mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a godsend. And then I remember like, um, us talking about these things in terms of like the true systems thinking that needs to happen um, with users and the fact that if you've engaged them, you can use their experience to support that systems thinking. I mean, as humans, we're pretty wriggly, right? We're, and when I say wriggly, I mean, we're pretty um, resourceful we want to achieve what we want to achieve and we will create those systems we will create those processes to get us where we need to go but now in the world we live in we need to know and start unpicking some of those processes and going are we are they really going to allow us to adapt quickly to some of the changes coming our way right 
Right. And it's a, it's an interesting perspective because McKinsey said that 70% of applications that are implemented are going to fail because they haven't necessarily dealt with the change management side of it. And that change is really about changing the individual and the processes and the policies and the procedures associated with the way in which they work. So that means that we're already faced with uh, a an unsurmount, in some cases, unsurmountable mountain in front of us that's saying, how do we encourage these users to move from the way that they've been doing their work, whether it be because of their own processes, as you rightly said, that they have created, or whether it be a policy or a procedure that was put in place by the organization, mm. maybe five, 10 years ago, but nobody's had the time all the abilities to go in and go, you know what, that was great 10 years ago, but it no longer applies now. Mm. We have systems in place that have reduced that risk of why we put in those extra steps in the process. But now we don't need them anymore, but nobody's really had the opportunity to look at them in that holistic systems approach. And so that's also something that you can do when you're in these sessions is look at it from a an end-to-end business process, not just a, this person is telling me this is how it should work. You're really looking at it from, okay, how how do you receive this initial starting point to this process? And then how do you hand off or move it to the next group or next business area in order to facilitate that systems approach? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think we involve business users enough because we, sometimes there is, we take it for granted. And, and there's many reasons why that I've experienced with companies that I've worked for. Um, we take it for granted that business users will just go along with and share information, but we forget that they've got a day job as well right. in all of right. this. Right. Not only do they have to help you land a particular change and be able to take that change on board, change their daily procedures within the organization, but they've got to work with you to effectively move your analysis forward. So you've got something to deliver. So I think, exactly. yeah, go for it. No, I think I totally agree with you. I think the, the they've been assigned to our our product or our project or our efforts, but they still have to run back to either take the meetings or deliver the report or right. um, do the number of tickets that are open that have been assigned to them in order to still provide the operational business, the activities that they are being paid to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the critical piece is having that empathy um, to understand when they're coming to you with what we perceive as challenges to how we want to implement the product, they're really coming to you with, hey, make my make my day easier, please, because mm. this is what I have to deal with. Mm. It's that uh, one of my mentors, you, you mentioned the word empathy and and he's he's um He's mentioned this to me over and over again, actually, in, in the coaching sessions and the mentoring sessions that I had with him. Absolute relentless empathy. Mm. 
And that is, that's absolutely what we need for our, whether it be our customers using a product we're developing and putting into market or our business users working with some of the products we're releasing within our organizations. And I think that empathy allows us to see a 360 of what that person or what, what that business user is experiencing, how they're doing their day job, what they have to contend with, and also the pressures that they have as well. We think we've got enough pressures in delivery, <laughs> but they have their own set, right? Exactly, exactly. And that has nothing to do with our, with our implementation at all. No. Um, with that said, what challenges have you had with business user engagement and how have you overcome them and what have you learned from them, Max? So it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the first things that I see when dealing with our users and an engaged user is sometimes because they are so focused on their reality, there, they may only have an isolated understanding of the end-to-end process. Of course, they realize that they have to deliver certain products or reports or systems or or um, issues to another group. They understand that. But in the whole end-to-end of a business, they may not necessarily understand the extra work that someone has to do in another group in order to make the data report that I sent them usable for their user community. So they may Mm. not ever see that. They may not see the fact that I introduce a bunch of additional data that they have to work around or that they have to clean up in order to use it for their purposes. They just see what they need to do on a day-to-day basis. And so what that can lead to is... Um, a clash in terms of really giving us their time, their insights into their process, or even their their empathy to other people in the business process. Um, and there can also be challenges in terms of just how they want this product to be designed. So I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, when working, I was working with a social media company and we were implementing a sales contract revenue system. Now, our, you would think our primary users would be sales and they mm-hmm. were. However, the people that were paying for this implementation of this product was finance. The reason why finance was paying for this implementation was that the revenue data that sales enters in, they need to forecast and budget and do their revenue reconciliation. So and they were finding that they were messing around with a lot of data, with a lot of individuals manipulating that data just to get it in the right format every month end, every quarter end, every year end. So they thought, you know what, let's just improve the business process. Now, they're downstream. They're a downstream business user for us. Mm -hmm. But we need the upstream business processes, which is the sales teams, to enter in the correct data. Now, they're looking at us going, okay, why are you asking for me to add this into the system? Why do you need this level of detail? Um, And I don't have the time to do this because I'm trying to close out a sale. 
I don't mm-hmm. have the time. And we iterate around this many times. So I may put it in the first time for you that these are the revenue terms, but they change during the negotiation right. and they may change many times during the negotiation. So, so why should I care, business user sales, for what you need to do? And here is, to me, is an ideal situation where I've got conflict between two user groups, mainly because the sales, they didn't want to be, it wasn't about them being difficult about this process. It's not that they didn't want to share what they were doing or that they wanted to give insight. They just didn't want the rework associated with entering in this data. So they were concerned about that process. But if if I truly were to understand them, they didn't have a true understanding of the end-to-end business process and the impact mm. of their lack of data entry of these key values to finance and, and to the regular business process of operating the business. Yeah, I see this a lot, right? I have to say, like, sometimes I'm asked to work on projects and programs, Um I work with scrum masters, I work with delivery teams, and it's often when I meet my peers in, say, communities of practice or gatherings, when I'll figure out that they're working on something really similar that's going to impact me. And I'm like, okay, so we're doing this, but you're also doing something really similar. Let's let's have a chat about this. Right. And what I feel isn't done enough is that the top level purpose uh, being explained to those that belong in this value stream because what you've just described is a, a typical value stream that does exist within organizations but because there's no alignment between specific to your scenario sales and finance and people don't understand the bigger purpose of what you're working on of course, there's going to be that challenge. Of course, there's going to be that resistance. Because like you said before and earlier on in our conversation, they've got a day job to do. And sales right. genuinely are very busy people who are going after their targets. They need a compelling reason to be able to you know, put in the, the data that you were describing, right? Right. And in, in this particular example, I mean, we the number of individuals that had to manipulate this data and how often they had to do it and and the what they were adding were in order for this revenue forecast to be accurate that required because the data wasn't correct going in and it wasn't matching up in terms of numbers at the end of a month or at the end of a quarter they were pinging those same sales team members with multiple emails and multiple voicemails and and making sure that they had slacked them and they still weren't hearing back. And it just caused inefficiencies in the whole process. But sales were sitting there going, I don't know why these people keep bugging me. And they're bugging me because they didn't have the data. And it's so, um, in, in its essence, so simple, but yet so very difficult for, as you rightly said, for the whole value stream to be understood, for the whole business process, systematic end-to-end process to be understood, and the relationships between groups to be fully defined so that each group understands, oh, this is what they're doing with this data, and that's the reason why I need to be doing this. And for And similarly for for finance to understand mm. the the fluidity and the flexibility 
offered by sales in order to ensure that a sale is completed in the time that we need it to. So yeah. I think it's it's that negotiation, it's that empathy again, it's that understanding of the individual's processes in order to to not be as isolated in your own business process. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's also another thing like to say about this around kind of leadership support that can be given in this area. But there's there's two sides to it, right? You can you can say, well, you know, um weren't these weren't these functions talking to each other at leadership level? Did they not understand that there was a dependency or an intersect here that needed to be yes on both counts, but I think projects and programs have got to do their bit in highlighting that and feeding that up because often I think about the pressures that leaders actually do have on them they have a lot to think about Um, and I think we can also do a better job at communicating upwards because again like you've you've had that experience and so have I where you're like actually this needs to go to um, a head of or needs to be escalated up into leadership for them to understand that there is there is this um, communication and proper change management that needs to be done in these areas for them to understand the wider purpose of why we're working on what we're working on. Completely agree and um, to this particular set because when you're in these sessions of process discoveries and your value mapping and you're doing your business processes and you're mapping them out yes there is a level of understanding of the end-to-end but sometimes you may not be able to resolve the challenges of the process so one of the things that we had to implement and we'll talk a little bit later even about top tips but this seems a great time to talk about this was Mm. we implemented a a cross-functional stakeholders meeting that we do every week And the reason for that, this was, uh, and these were leadership individuals. So we had um, senior executives in this, in this meeting. And the purpose of the meeting was to bring these process challenges to them because they were cross-functional, because they were at a leadership level to say, okay, if you want the goals that we have highlighted for this implementation, then this is an, uh, an example process challenge between two groups and we have both of you managers, senior execs here, can we resolve this? At the detail mm-hmm. level, we're not able to come to a solution and now we're, we're escalating this to you in order to, to, ha- to gain your insight and to gain your buy-off into the reasons why we would want to merge these business processes and this is how we are anticipating doing it and mm-hmm. now we need your buy-off and your sign-off and then your communication to your teams to ensure that this actually does happen once we start mm. doing the the 2B analysis. Sounds like there were some rich learnings in this um in this episode and uh, of your of your career Max it sounds like I think you're well equipped after that to kind of make sure that was set up in in your in your gigs afterwards. Definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, I look at each of each one of these projects or or gigs as as means of learning new scenarios, because each of us are unique, each of the circumstances are unique. And this, and this gave me another tool in the toolkit that if I ever hit a situation like this, I can employ um, this particular 
workaround or solution, which was to have stakeholders have the time on the stakeholders' calendars every week to bring to them these types of challenges. And they were only 30 minutes. It was 30 minutes of their time, but mm. I think it was critical to what we needed to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Great learnings. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't come without work, right? Like to even get 30 minutes in stakeholders' diaries, you've got to do a lot of lobbying because they're busy. Like the senior execs are very busy. So you've got to be in touch with them. You've got to um, negotiate time within their diaries to let them know about what's going on. Make it compelling. Make it interested. Why should they care? Explain to them why they should care, right? Right, right. Exactly. And, and that's all part of uh, the, the change management process. And yeah. that should have started way back at the very beginning of this project, where you would have defined the stakeholder analysis and the stakeholder impact assessment. And in that, you would have determined, okay, we know we are going to have challenges between these groups. And you only mm. know that by having done the analysis with those groups to know these are the challenges or the hotspots between these groups. Now I need to set up a mechanism in this case, it happened to be a weekly meeting. And these are the people that need to be in that session. And the purpose of this meeting is not that we give you a status on the project. You can get that from the PMO, from the project manager. Right. The purpose of this meeting is truly to look at business challenges that we're getting by showing and, and doing um, sprint reviews with these individuals. And they're highlighting the business process challenges to us from a individualistic standpoint, but we're looking at it from a systematic standpoint. And now right. we're raising them to use stakeholders in order to make that change happen. Right, right. Part of that, and you got to get really good in your role, describing the lived experience for from business users, Max, how do you do that? So I sort of hinted at this, Previously, but this is definitely one of the challenges that I've found. And this has gone from um, independent of the type of industry that I've worked in. Right. It's a, it's rare that I walk into a project where there is fully defined as is or current analysis of how people do their work, their lived in experience. And so when that isn't there, it's critical that we do the understanding of the as is. Mm -hmm. And many people feel that that's a waste of time. They'll actually, I've had managers tell me, why would I want to do that right now? Because we're going to change it anyway, and it's going to all change. The challenge is not necessarily to repeat, and that's not the goal. The goal isn't to repeat what we do. The goal is to unearth those process gems that are hidden in the how I do it today, this is my reality process of those policies or procedures or risks that they mm. have had to overcome in order to do the work that they're doing day in, day out. And that's what you're unearthing by doing the as is. So that's giving you the reality. And the challenge sometimes is managers may not want to hear that. And mm. so you, because you're either, you have audit pressures or you have um, business pressures that are ensuring that you have your policies and procedures and that you're doing exactly as those 
policies and procedures ask you to do the work that you're supposed to do, but they don't cover the gotchas or the exceptions or mm. the situations that have become the norm because we haven't dealt with um, resolving this exception. And that's what the individual is dealing with day in, day out. Um, a good example I can give you sure. um, was when I was working at a, a healthcare provider, a major healthcare provider here in the U.S., they, um, in these discovery sessions, they had the managers, the supervisors, as well as the individuals who were doing the day in, day out work. And my job is to ensure that I have captured the, these little nuggets, not necessarily, I understand the overall process, but the little nuggets right. that I really want to make sure that when we demo the new system, or when we do a sprint review of the new system, that they don't instantly bring up these gotchas in those sessions and say, well, now your implemented solution doesn't necessarily do what I need it to do. I need mm -hmm. to know about these ahead of time so that I can give them to our development team to say, hey, these are the exceptions that they hit on a repeated basis. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that we've covered those in our user stories, in our exceptions. And these are the things that they're going to bring up to you as challenges in their day-to-day -day process. And they'll want to see solutions that you have thought through in the implemented solution that address these particular problems. So it's key that we have these. Now, when I had that session with the managers involved, what I found was that many of the individuals who were doing these sorts of things that they, that they had told me about previously in these as-is sessions didn't bring them up at all. When I would mm -hmm. ask maybe some feeder questions, knowing full well that there were exceptions to this, I really didn't get a lot of engagement from the individuals who were doing their work. And what I realized was that nobody really wanted to say that we were doing it differently to the actual policy or the procedure that had been written down. And mm -hmm. so I needed to make sure that we had to rejig these sessions essentially to make those individuals feel psychologically safe yeah. in these discovery sessions to provide me with their actual reality versus what the perceived reality was in these procedures. And to do that, we had many coaching sessions with the business managers, with the supervisors. We actually decided to have these sessions without them in the first instance after mm -hmm. that scenario and then um, start to to identify those changes where the individuals felt safe and knew that what they were giving us was a um, starting point for change to happen. Mm. And it's, I love that point about psychological safety because in, in my area of work, Max, we look at psychological safety within the delivery teams that we work with, the development teams, the scrum teams, whatever you want to term it. We, we make sure that there is that level of psychological safety so that they feel safe to challenge, safe to be creative, safe to ask for additional time that they need. But there is that psychological safety for all involved, including those business who users that you are impacting. So I love that you shared that with us and the fact that you created that safe environment. Now you've been coaching me on this from day dot in terms of 
how to engage with others. And I know like earlier on in my career, I've not had the life experience for that to sink in, but I remember you coaching me around developing that engagement and having that um, skill within yourself to have that uh, capacity to truly engage on a very human level with others that that know like and trust ability to engage so you know you sometimes you'd be engaging with others to create that safety on a very human level even before you start talking about the work you know right. how are you right. doing how are you how how is the day actually going for you right. what are the challenges that you're facing sort of today is there anything that i can do to help you out just just making sure that they are not just speaking to somebody else who wants to know because i'm sure they have a load of us passing through their desks and hosting right. meetings with them but business users right. who like feel like you know uh, safe enough to be able to talk to you about what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Exactly. I, in order to have, and you hit the word, the the, nail, the word on the head on the nail, the nail on the head. <laughs> there you go. The nail on the head. Yeah. Which is um, having that that safety space, having that trust, having yeah. no knowing that what they're about to tell you isn't going to impact them in their in their career in their day-to-day -day work, in their appraisals, in their performance, in their relationships with their managers and their supervisors, they're telling you the truth. And mm. you have to honor that and ensure that what they're telling you, they can trust you because what you're hoping to do with that information is to improve their day-to-day -day life. That's the goal. That's, mm. that's the reason why we're doing this. That's the value add of any of these solutions that we implement or changes that we make in the operational processes. It's about making sure that there is a value add to the activities that we're doing. And it doesn't matter which techniques you choose to bring to the table, whether it's Six Sigma and data, mm -hmm. whether it's value stream mapping, whether it's business process mapping. It, the, the goal here is how do you elicit yeah. this information from your business users so that they can trust you that the solution you're going to design for them and that you're going to implement for them is one that they can stand by and that is going to make their lives easier. Max, thank you so much for sharing all of your the nuggets from your experiences and these scenarios, which I'm sure our listeners will be able to relate to. Before we wrap up, can you share your top tips that you'd recommend for securing business engagement? I'd say there are some there are some key ones that we've sort of covered as we went through the different scenarios. But first right. and foremost, make sure you make the time to understand what how the business currently works, what the as is, what the policies are, what the operational challenges are, what are the exceptions. What uh, Those are things that I would say are a, a, a checklist of questions that you need to ask and make sure that um, you have the necessary documents to understand that reality, the business reality of the day-to-day. -day. Make sure you, if you are thinking of off-the-shelf, 
demo the products as soon as possible. I know a lot of people are like, well, if we put it in front of the users now, they'll be resistant to it and we won't be able to get this through implementation. My experience has been get it in front of the users as soon as possible. Encourage a negotiation, encourage a environment that allows for feedback for, mm-hmm. for individuals being safe to give that feedback and to recognize that there is the potential of always of, of change that could happen. It doesn't have yeah. to be that this is the only way of doing it. But if you don't show it to them firsthand, if they're not part of that discussion, if they're not giving you ideas, you're going to lose out on that and you're going to face it when you implement when you show them that first sprint, when you do a, a sprint review, you're going to hear it at that time. So you might as well do it early on in the process. And that's really giving them the knowledge of what this this application, this product is going to do for them as early as possible. And if you need to do deep dives, by all means, do the deep dives. But that's the next step if, if I were to sequence it out. Um, Obviously, having a very defined change management process. I think if, mm-hmm. if there's anything that I could leave you with um, as a business process person who has had to step into the change management role on many different projects, and I understand the value of having this as a key individual on your team, making sure that the key deliverables of stakeholder analysis are done, making sure that you've engaged in and setting up user champions. Those are, to me, your experts in the users, user areas that are going to be your, your stars. They're the ones who are going to be out there promoting your product. They're the ones who are going to be out there doing it on a day-to-day basis. They're the ones who are going to be winning over those end users that are completely resistant and aren't willing to come to the table. It's these user champions that are going to be the ones that are going to step, are going to be there helping you um, implement this change. So having them set up, um, making sure they have the time available to do this, and then making sure that you've got the necessary training and tools to support these individuals. Those would be my sort of top 10 or sort of top six that I would rattle off at the top of my head. I love those. Thank you so much. And I think this episode has been rich with um, some real good gems from your experience um, that I know that our listeners would will really benefit from. So um, it's been great having you join us. We hope and we know it's been an early start to your day. So thank you so much, Max, for joining us so early. Not at all. It was my pleasure. Thank you for making the time. No, it's been it's been great to have you on and I can't wait to share this episode. Please make sure that you follow us on our socials and on our LinkedIn pages so that you don't miss out on great episodes like this. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>